think I'm, I think I'm on. Wired up and ready to go. Let me get this all, all going and going over here and we're ready. I don't know where you got all of that, Gail. That was, that was a, tremen a tremendous introduction. I, I, I couldn't have written it better myself, to tell you the truth. Um, but it, but it, leaves, it leaves an awful lot of pressure, puts a lot of pressure on me now to, 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 to perform here. It's great to be back here, Carl. I'm along with my wife, Carol, and we've got two friends of ours, Beth and Bill, who have come along with us this morning. Uh, I think so highly of your pastor and, um, and his wife, Chris, and we've just been so uh, involved with them actually over the years, and he and I played golf a few weeks ago and sort of reconnected, and it's just very exciting what God has done here at BBCC, and we followed it closely. I want this morning, as much as I can, to perhaps rather try to talk to you as opposed to try to preach at you. I think after 50, you know, as Gail pointed out in, in my introduction there, I've been doing this an awful long time. I've traveled the world, I've, I've spoken all over the place and done all sorts of things. and. It, you, you come to a place and you want to deposit something meaningful in the lives of the people that you're talking to as opposed to, you know, I could, I've got, I've got stacks of messages in files, I've got them on, the, on Word documents, and I guess you could just go and pull something and you wouldn't know any different if I did that because you don't know me that well. This morning, I want to give you, hopefully, something that's a little bit fresh. Let me ask you, I've got some questions for you this morning. You don't have to raise your hand, because the first question I've got is, did you brush your teeth today? <laughs> so please don't answer that question, will you? I, I'm assuming, did, did you got in your car and you drove here this morning? It's, strangely enough, I had difficulty in p deciding what I was going to wear this morning. <laughs> to come and speak to you. I, I had the tendency to wear some, some green long pants and, a, a, and some sort of floral shirt or something like that, and I thought of Dudley, and I said, no, I, I, don't, I don't think that would go down so well. So I decided to wear what I'm wearing. Everything we do in life, in our daily living, is, has a purpose or a, is it intentional in our lives. We live our lives in, with intentionality. And the message I want to talk to you about this morning is living an intentional life in our journey of faith. Because basically, although all of our lives in our daily living in the natural world is filled with intentionality, from the moment that we wake up, we get up, we do this, we do the next thing, we are intentional, everything. But I found over these 50 years of doing this, that the church gets challenged, but the church doesn't change necessarily. That the people can hear the Word, but not necessarily do the Word. And here I am, 73 years of age this year. And this is where my chit-chat comes to you. I want to live, at my age, an intentional life. There's good news and bad news when you get to this age. 
The good news is I'm in the fourth quarter. The, the bad news is I'm in the fourth quarter. The good news is I'm not in overtime. As, as Gail pointed out to you, it was only a few, actually a few weeks ago that I decided to record some of my experiences on a blog called The Edgy Conservative. And the purpose of doing that was I wanted to share with people in Africa and people around the, the globe that somewhere along the line I've connected with them. Many of them are pastors or Christian workers. And I wanted to, them to connect with me over my 50 years of ministry. And on my blog, I'm teaching about the 12 words that have shaped my life. Well, when I came to this year, I, I began to sense around the blog and about other things that I'm doing that I needed to be continue on at my age of being intentional follower of Jesus. Now, you'd think as a, a person that's of a retirement age, that it would be sufficient to sit back, play golf all the time, and just get about your church life in a normal setting. But I didn't want to do that. God had called me higher. And God has called you higher as well. So my word that was fresh this year is this word, world, this word living intentionally. This morning, you got up and you did what you did, intentionally. But as you sit here this morning, you're either a seeker in the service or you're a finder. You've either, you've either come to seek God or you've already found Him. The first step that every person in church this morning needs to take is to be intentional about knowing Christ. If you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus this morning, it doesn't come by osmosis. It doesn't come by being in church. It doesn't come because your parents were churchgoers. It doesn't come because somebody's praying for you. It comes only by an intentional decision to say yes to Jesus. People come and go in churches all the time, all around the world. They sit there but never, many of them never make the intentional decision to take a step and be intentional to follow Jesus. If you've made that step to profess faith in Jesus this morning, He has a plan and a purpose for your life. But nothing will happen unless you're intentional. In the Bible, may I, may I read a story this morning to you about, about a man, I think you'll know this story, it's a man, Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus, Jesus was going down to Jericho, and he comes in contact with a man called Zacchaeus. And here's the story. It says in Luke chapter 19, Jesus, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through and there was a man there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector, and he was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but being a short man, he could not because of the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed up a sycamore tree to see him, since Jesus was, Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, 
he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down right away because I must stay at your house today. So he came down and, Jesus, and welcomed Jesus gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he has gone to the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Lord, look, Lord, here, and I now give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay him back four times the amount. Jesus said to him today, salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Here's a man, Zacchaeus. He was, he, had, he was in the tax business and he was a cheat. And he had cheated people. He had no relationship with Jesus, and he had no intention of having a relationship with Jesus, but he heard that Jesus was coming by, and he wanted to see what it was all about. He wanted to observe. So what did he do? He climbed up a sycamore tree. He climbed up a tree. He wanted to see, but he didn't want to engage. Separation, but not integration. You see, when we come to faith in Jesus, God has a purpose and a plan and an assignment and a mission for our lives. And that mission and that assignment is not just to observe, to be on the outside, but it's to be on the inside. It's to find that destiny, it's to find that purpose, and the only way that you do that is being intentional. This man climbed a tree to look, but not to engage. And you know, frankly, being, having been around church life for 50 years, I've seen that all the time in church. The first decision, intentionality, when you come to church is to engage with Jesus personally. It doesn't come by attendance. It comes through an intentional engagement with Jesus Christ. That's the message of the gospel. This man tried to disengage by climbing a tree. You cannot engage with Jesus at the top of a tree. This is not against people that are sitting at the back this morning. <laughs> but I, 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 I like to get out front because I want to engage in what Jesus has for me. Jesus, Jesus looked up the tree and he says, Zacchaeus, this is, this is incredible. How did Jesus know his name? The man was a tax collector. He was despised. He's at the top of a tree, and Jesus comes by and says, Zacchaeus, come down. I want to come to your house to stay today. And you know, that's a call for some of us this morning. Some of us may be disengaged, and we're at the top of this proverbial tree. We, we, we don't really want to commit. We don't really want to engage. We want to sit and soak but Jesus has got our name, and he says to Zacchaeus, come down because I'm going to stay at your house today. You know what is so wonderful here? 
after Zacchaeus meets with Jesus, he says to Jesus, now here, the Bible says in the passage that I read to you that he was rich. He'd made a lot of money. But after he met with Jesus just for that portion of time on that specific day, he said to Jesus, and this is what happens when you're confronted with Jesus. When you're confronted with Jesus, something changes. You'll know when you've had a confrontation with Jesus because something happens. This cheat, this scoundrel, this observer, Jesus said to him, Zacchaeus, come. They went together to Zacchaeus' house. We don't know the whole story. We don't know if Jesus preached some sermon to him. He didn't need to. He was Jesus. When you confront with Jesus, you don't need the sermon. You just need the interaction. How do we know that Zacchaeus changed? Because he gave away half of what he had to the poor. He didn't need it all. So he was there to fulfill the kingdom of God. And then he turns around and says, not only will I do that, but those that I've taken their money from have stolen it. I'm going to give you, I took your money from you illegally. I took your money. Now I've been touched by Jesus. I'm going to give you back four times what I've stolen. You'll know whether you're just a church attender or a good person or whether you've had a meeting with Jesus. I've been doing this an awful long time. It hasn't all been rosy. It hasn't all, there have been desert times in my life. There have been sad times in my life. There have been times in my life in these 50 or 60 years, 50 years that I've walked with Jesus that I'm not proud of. But I can tell you this, this much. At my age now, at the time I'm living with, 12 words that have shaped my life, yes, even the 13th, I want to engage with Jesus. I want to continue to know him even better. You cannot be intentional up a tree. The intentionality of Jesus was, was evident in every decision that Jesus made. There's another story in the Bible that you're well, very familiar with. It's the story in Luke chapter 10 where Jesus is talking about the Good Samaritan. The story about the story of Zacchaeus was 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 a, was, a, was, a, was a true story. That's, Jesus met him in the way that it's described. The story of the Good Samaritan was a parable. A, a lawyer had come to Jesus and said, "Who's my neighbor? What must I do to inherit eternal life?" And Jesus said, "Love the Lord your God with all your heart and your neighbor as yourself." And the, the lawyer, the, this, this intellectual, said to Jesus, "Who is my neighbor?" And based on that question, who is my neighbor, Jesus tells him a story. 
And this story, it's, it's also about a man, this is about a man going down to Jericho, and he was robbed. You'll know the story quite well, I'm sure. I don't need to read it for you this morning. This man was robbed. There are four characters in the story. There's the man who was robbed and, and beaten up and left for half dead, the Bible says. And then there was a priest, a Levite, and a, good, and a Samaritan. The priest and the Levite were, were the two religious people. And here's the story. Just imagine for a moment, lying by the road is this man. He's beaten up. He's been robbed. They've taken his clothes. And there he is, naked, dying on the road. And the two religious guys, the priest and the Levite, they see the man, but they walk by him. They leave him as he was. And then the, the third guy then comes along, and he is a Samaritan. But here's the significance of this. You, you, you probably are familiar with this as well. The Jews and the Samaritans had no relationship. This Samaritan man was like an outcast. He was a nobody. Nobody would expect him to do anything of a, of a positive nature, certainly not for a Jewish man lying by the road half dead. But the Bible tells us it was the Samaritan who touched this life. The religious people didn't engage. They were non-intentional. And I think sometimes we come to church and we just live as if, as if we're here, we're accepting of it, but there's not really an intentionality about the vision and the passion that God has got for our, for our lives. Listen, I, 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 you know, you can tell I, I, I'm an older guy here. And yet God hasn't finished with me yet. God is just getting started with me. That's how I feel. Here is this Samaritan man, this Samaritan, and there's four things about this intentionality that I would like to, to share with you this morning about, from this story. If you want to be intentional, it says in, in that chapter of the Bible, it says, the Samaritan took pity on him. He took pity. He saw the man, and he took pity on him. Intentionality starts with sensitivity. Intentionality starts with sensitivity. I'll, I'll be honest with you this morning. I'll, I'll, I'll always be honest with you. Sounds like I'm sometimes dishonest. <laughs> sometimes it's hard to be sensitive to the needs of others. I find it so. You watch television, you watch this, you watch the next thing, and the world is in absolute turmoil and chaos. And we say, somebody else will take care of it. I'm going to give you a few illustrations in a moment about the intentionality in my life, but I want you to realize today as well, there's nothing special about Alistair Geddes, nothing whatsoever. I don't have much of education. I left school when I was 15, 15 16 years of age didn't get what many others have. And, and, and I take 
And I take pleasure in that because then I realize that if God has accomplished anything in and through me, it's not because of me. But I do know that when I was born again by the Spirit of God in 1968 in Rhodesia, Africa, Jesus came and changed my life. I was a wild man. And then Jesus came in. I had that transformation like Zacchaeus. But I constantly seek and pray that I might be sensitive and engaging in the mission that God has got for my life. And the Samaritan looked, and it says, he took pity on him. He was sensitive. The priest, the religious pastor, the religious man, the prayer warrior, the man that would try to communicate with God, these religious people, they didn't get it. They, were, they had no sensitivity to the need. They couldn't be intentional because they didn't have a sensitivity. The second thing that he had, it says he bandaged him. What was the point of taking pity on him if you didn't do anything about it? You can't take, being sensitive to the need, taking pity is not being intentional, it's being intentional only in the sense that I see the need. But then it says he bandaged him. Intentionality requires compassion, care. You know, growing up in Scotland, we were never, the, the family and the Scottish background and all the rest of it, we were never an emotion, emotional. Today, I don't know how we can be Christians if we're not emotional. I'm not saying overly emotional. I'm not saying that we bubble and cry and bubble and squeak or whatever uh, every time something goes awry. But if we want to be intentional for Jesus, then our lives need to show the same care and compassion that Jesus did. Everywhere he did, all he did to be intentional was to touch a life. One of my words that I've, out of the 12 is, is the word deposit. Another word of the 12 is the word legacy. Another word of the 12 is generational. If nothing else in life, if you know Jesus this morning, God wants you to make deposits. Just let you go to the bank for your deposits of, of life. It's easy to make a deposit into somebody else's life. To engage at BBCC. You know, may I share, since I'm not the pastor here, one of the greatest frustrations of any pastor, and I've, done, I've been a pastor, and one of the greatest frustrations was, and I've got, a, I've got a message on it called Challenged But Not Changed. Challenged But Not Changed. How many sermons does it take? How many Bible readings? How much of energy does a pastor give out? But, the, but many change. I can see change in Mike and Gail from the years, the years gone by. I, I remember when we first met. Every time I meet you, I realize what trophies of God's grace. Many change, but you know many don't change. Even though the challenge goes out constantly. And here is this man lying by there. The Bible says 
took pity on him, he bandaged him. The intentionality requires compassion. And you know, compassion, compassion needs a heart, a breaking of the heart, an emotional exercise of saying, I care because Jesus cares. Then it says also, after he had bandaged him, he took him to an inn and cared for him. Intentionality requires action. Not only did he bandage him, but he realized this man needed more. He needed something extra. He needed to get somewhere safe. He needed to get somewhere where he could rest up. He was beaten up. He was dying. So the man took him, the Samaritan took the man to an inn and said to the innkeeper, would you take care of him? And he took that action to take care of him. Intentionality this morning requires a decision, an action on your part and on my part to engage with Jesus. Zacchaeus, come down. Zacchaeus had a choice, did he not? As they say, you don't need to be a brain surgeon to understand this one. Zacchaeus had a choice to stay in the tree or to engage with Jesus. And now he didn't want to engage, he was up a tree. But he came down because Jesus called him. He took an action because he wanted to be intentional with Jesus. The fourth thing was, it says about this Samaritan, he gave two denarii, or denarii to the innkeeper. He took out his wallet and he said, I, know, I, I don't expect you to take on the mission that I've got, so I'm going to take care of the, the, the financial obligation of this man. I had pity on him, I, took, I bandaged him, and I brought him here. I'm not going to dump him on you, it's not your problem, it's my engagement, it's my intentionality that I want him to be taken care of. And so he said, here's, here's the money to take care of it. And then he goes even further, he says, when I come back this way, if there's anything I owe you, if there's anything on the room tab, you know, you know, if there's anything on the room, then I'll take care of that as well. He was intentional. Gail told you that I started a church in Zimbabwe in 1976. The story I'm not going to go into in great detail now, of course, but 1976. I started the church called Faith Ministries. It was a time of war in Rhodesia at the time. I was a pastor. The church was white at the time. It was mostly started of white people, but, but the government, things were changing. By 1978, things had changed in the country to such an extent that it was, it, there was going to be a transition from the white government to a national government of Zimbabwe. Things were going to change. So, one day, I said to the congregation. Things are going to change here. I was a policeman, so they, they thought of me as somewhat racist. People in the nation thought of me as a racist from my past, but I was transformed, you see. Because I had been met with Jesus, I was changed. So I said to the, the folks in the church, I said, if you don't want black people in the church because we're, the nation is changing, then you better find somewhere else. 
You know what? This is what I did. It was the best, greatest, other than my confession of faith to follow Jesus Christ, this was probably the next best decision in, in, in my life, other than my marriage. <laughs> I sent a, a bus to the University of Zimbabwe, a big bus, because I knew that if I could garner the intellectuals of Zimbabwe who were African, and I could bring them to church, if they could have a, a change with Jesus, then the future of the nation could be changed down the road. I did that. We sent a bus. The undergraduates from the university came in their droves. They were transformed. Wonderful, miraculous, and even some revival things took place as these people were transformed and changed. In 1980, the African government took power, and we were still doing ministry, just as it, nothing had changed. But you know what? All these years later, now we're talking 40 years, three years ago, I went back to preach at the 40th anniversary of the church that I founded in 1976. Forty years later, back in Africa, was I, I go back every year. I'm still involved with that church as a, as a sort of a, a, a helper. Of, and it, we still have a relationship with that church. Fifty years later, or... 40 years later, 43 years later. And I went back and preached for them in 1976 at the 40th anniversary of a, at a conference, and there they were greeting me as the founder and the father of that ministry all these years later. Just recently, we had, there was a cyclone in Zimbabwe, just maybe about two months ago. Being intentional, on this end, I asked a few friends, we, we, we garnered some money because I wanted to be like the Samaritan. I wanted to not only pray about it, but speak into it with generosity. This man in the story, he was generous. When Jesus transforms you like Zacchaeus, he gave back half of it to the poor, and he gave back to the people four times that he'd stolen from them. He became generous. And when that cyclone hit about two months ago, our church that had been changed because of the bus all these years ago, 1978 the bus, we were able, in our church that now has 70 churches, we were able to send 100 medical personnel to the cyclone and to deal, doctors, nurses, anesthetists, dentists, we sent all of them who had been changed because of the decision to be intentional. I didn't realize it back then that my intentionality might touch a nation many years later, but it has. I've got spiritual sons. I've got a spiritual son that's only 10 years younger than I am, and we've been walking this journey of faith intentionally together for the last 40, 43, 44 years. How to be intentional. Just a few more minutes with you. Some years ago, I think, I've tried to teach our children to be intentional, my, my, my natural children, my biological children, to be intentional. Uh, in 2008, there was an earthquake in Haiti. My son called me from, he was living in Zimbabwe, he was working for World Vision at the time. He said, Dad, I want to give this amount of money. And it was significant. He said, I want to give this money to the earthquake children in Haiti. 
He said, how do I do that? He wanted to give it to some sort of big organization where it would be sort of absorbed into it and, and who knows where the money went. I said, Craig, let me do, a re do some searching and see what we can do. I became intentional. So I did some homework, visited Haiti, made some phone calls, and found this most wonderful organization called, you can go home and you can check it out at some point, called Danita's Children. Danita went to Haiti at the time of the earth, or actually before the earthquake, with $200, an American woman, and today she's got 100 children in the orphanage, 400 in the school, and built a hospital. When I went down there with, with my son's money, we gave it, and today, Impact and Carol and I sponsor 15 children, plus we've done, we, we, we sponsor a soccer team for the, for the orphanage, Impact International Soccer Team, and we put on a soccer event, and after the event's over, we give out the prizes, and we have 200, 200 Haitian kids come in to hear the gospel, to, te to, to engage with Jesus, being intentional. My son didn't know the legs that all this would happen. All that would come out of this intentionality of doing something and recognizing our, our mandate for Christ. I could, I could go on, but it, it's not about me. It's about us. I would hate it this morning if this was a challenge to you but there was no comp there was no change this is this is to help me conclude otherwise I'll go on and on see you better now. Each one of you, no matter whether you've been coming to this church one year or ten years or whatever, every one of us, in the sound of my voice, every one of us, you're here for a divine purpose. You're here for such a time as this. You're here for this message, whether I'm here or not, you're here for the purpose. What is it? Every one of you has got a mission. If you this, uh, this morning are not, have never really met Jesus, you didn't come down out of the tree, then you need to make that decision today because you, you, you somehow are floating on, the, on a spiritual cloud or something. But there's no intentionality. Church is the good place, it's, it's the country club. And that's not what Jesus calls us to. Or if you are a Christian this morning, then it should be known that, that God has a, a, a plan, a mission, a destiny for you. Just like he had for me. but yours is different to mine.
We are intentional in everything we do in life, from what you're wearing this morning, to what you're going to eat, to brushing your teeth, to showering. Whatever you do, everything is done by intentional from you. That's your life over here. But what happens when you become a Christian? You're born again. You're actually moving into a new life in Christ. You have a spiritual journey now. You can't live that only over here. You, 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 you do. You wear, you wear the clothes of this world, but you're over here. And for as much as you're intentional over here, God's purpose for your life is to be intentional this morning over here. And that's what this morning is all about. If you remember nothing else, that's why I made it easy. It's only one word. What did he speak about? Intentionality. Word number 13 that has shaped my life. And I hope this one will shape yours also. Let us pray together this morning. But let's make it a decision time today. I don't know you. Most of you I know. It's nice to see Kim and Dick. It's nice to see many of you here this morning that we do know. But most of you I, I don't know. But I do know, and, and the Zilstras. It's good. I do know this. Though I know you not personally, I do know you spiritually. That Jesus wants a change and a decision to be made this morning. There's no altar call. There's no hands raised. You don't, I don't need that. You don't need that. But what you do is you decide in your heart, yes, I'm, I'm down from the tree and I'm going to be intentional in what you have for me, Lord. Can you pray that with me today? Can you pray that with me this morning? And I'm praying it for me too because I'm not in overtime. And I'm ready to go, God. Thank you, Jesus, for the wonderful time with these dear folks here at BBCC. I pray this morning that your hand would be upon them and that in the quietness of this moment, they would say, Lord, I'm down from the tree. I'll meet with you today. And I'll be changed. Show me the way forward as I plan to be intentional with what you've given me. Show me my gifting and use me in the days ahead. I pray this, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.